I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe mini-sode. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me to bridge the gap between our V for Vendetta and X-Men 3 episodes is... Seb Patrick. Seb, let's start off by giving our listeners a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, what do you really think about James? <laughs> I think he shouldn't be off having a social life, which he seems to have been doing uh, this weekend and these last few days. He's a 30-something man with a kid. Um, it, feel, it feels like he's cheating somehow. Uh, we couldn't pin him down like any day this week, could we? Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. That that doesn't seem fair. Uh, so we, but we thought we should probably get together to talk to to do some mini soding because we missed the last mini sode, um, and there is actual proper news to talk news. about this week. Well, some news and some something that everyone's treating as news, but has that has been denied as being news. But let's face it, everyone wants us to talk about it anyway. It's maybe news. Okay, Seb, let's do some news and let's talk about quite a lot of DC stuff um, uh, with, a, with a, a tiny little <laughs> bit of non-DC stuff at the end. And let's start off with the roller coaster that was Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, according to The Hollywood Reporter, in an article that I think was posted on Thursday, um, it was reported that he was leaving or vacating the role of Superman and would not be appearing in any more DC EU movies. Uh, that despite rumours for months that he was due to cameo in Shazam. There's obviously been uh, rumours out there that a Man of Steel sequel has been developed. And yeah, so the Hollywood reporters say, hey, he's leaving. Then a day later, his agent says, hmm, may- maybe not quite yet. His agent or his manager on on Twitter or something posted something cryptic about the cape still being in his closet. And then Henry Cavill posted an Instagram video where he held up a Superman action figure as if that meant something. Um, and then Warner Brothers also released a statement saying that they were still, well, that Henry Cavill was still part of the DCEU. Um, and all of this comes off the back of Henry Cavill signing up to star in The Witcher earlier in the week and Netflix adaptation of The Witcher. Um, which I believe uh, is it kind of implies that his schedule is going to be pretty busy for the next year or so. And so if Warner Brothers and DC did want to make any movies with him in, they would kind of have to work around that schedule. And hey, that worked out really well with Mission Impossible 6, didn't it? <laughs> um, so Seb, what do you make of all this? Because my read on this is 
a contract negotiation is being played out I mean, very that, publicly. The, the, the uh, yes, everything that's happened since that first day uh, does rather suggest that um, yeah, this is this is people fronting. Uh, around a contract negotiation um, and the fact that they weren't able to sort it out in time for a Shazam cameo has been taken as, well, they're not doing anything with him. And it helps, I think, that, you know, there literally isn't a film in development at the moment featuring Superman, is there? DC have got a lot of films in development, but they don't technically have another Justice League or a Man of Steel 2. I think Man of Steel 2 has been rumoured, but I'm not sure whether it was in active development. It's it's not in active development the way like the uh, um, Martin Scorsese Joker film is and that kind of thing. I know it's not Martin Scorsese directed. That was the first name of the many bizarre names in that film uh, came to mind. Um, So yeah, I think there is a danger of reading too much into this, but I think what what I would like to do is maybe take the opportunity to talk about it as if it was true, because I'd, I'd have thoughts and opinions about what that means if if it is really the case that Henry Cavill's not going to be Superman anymore. And, and you know, as I say, I think we've we've said up top we don't necessarily believe that that's the case, but I think it's interesting to look at how does the question of Henry Cavill probably maybe isn't going to be Superman anymore. Make you feel how? How do we feel about that? What can I think can about? I just head head this off, Seb? Because I I think that is very interesting. But I to to start off with from a say say this is a negotiation mm. that has broken down, and yeah. you know it 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 still could lead to that scenario. Yeah, it, this is a negotiation where it feels like neither of the two sides <laughs> really badly needs the other well like does 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 henry cavill really need superman and that is exactly what what my what my take on it is uh and and what i thought was interesting to discuss in light of if it's not the case and this is why i think it may yet turn out to be the case because Mm. i don't think either of them well no i think that i think they're both in a strong negotiating position in that the other neither well, it's not even that the other needs them more. Neither really needs the other. Because I think... And that may seem like a strange thing to say when you're someone who thinks that Henry Cavill has been really great as Superman. And I do. Mm. I hope it's been clear in all the times we've talked about all the films that he has been in. I have pretty much never had an issue with him or his performance. Um, I think he was a great piece of casting that fits the role perfectly. Because I think in, in Superman movies... Um, Notwithstanding Christopher Reeve, and and notwithstanding the fact, and this is what I found interesting, is that you know every every Superman performance is in the shadow of what Christopher Reeve did, but every Superman I think has been good. Like I don't think Superman has ever really been badly cast. Like the closest would probably be, and I can't even remember his name, the first Superboy in the Superboy TV show. Second one, Gerald Christopher was pretty good. First one wasn't up to much, but even then, that Superboy didn't really count. But you go from Christopher Reeve, and even if you go back one to George Reeves, you go George Reeves, Christopher Reeve, ben Dean Kane, <laughs> yeah, uh, Dean Kane, Brandon Routh. Uh, does Tom Welling count? I'm not sure. Tyler Hecklin uh, and Henry Cavill. They're all good. They all work because they all pretty much do what you need to do with Superman if the version of Superman that's being done 
doesn't bother about doing anything interesting with Clark Kent, which is what well, that's, Reeves that's, that's what I was going to jump in yeah. and say, Seb. <laughs> I think it's probably, what that speaks to is, it's probably not that difficult to cast no, that's Superman. The thing. It's not that difficult to cast Superman if you're just casting Superman. If you just need someone who has a really relaxed, calm authority and a likeable, innate charm and looks good in the suit then you've got yourself a Superman. What you haven't necessarily got is a Clark Kent. Um, I think to different degrees, uh, obviously Christopher Reeve, and also to an extent Dean Cain doing a very different version of Clark Kent Mm. have done that well. Henry Cavill hasn't really been called upon to do anything interesting as Clark. No, Um, and I I would actually, while he hasn't had much opportunity to do much as Clark, the the... The Henry Cavill Superman to me doesn't feel. It hasn't ever felt like it has that dichotomy of the two no, performances. It really that, no, as much that, as they might have put a pair of glasses on him at, at the end of uh, Man of Steel. Uh, but you know, even even the version of him that you see kind of at, at, in his younger like, yeah, mm. and, and I, not just Cavill, but like the young Batman in Man of sorry, the young the young Clark in in Man of Steel, the moments in Batman v Superman. I that's just to me either not a very interesting character or not a particularly they don't yeah they don't go for differentiating people talk about like the the Clark and Superman dichotomy and actually there is a three way character thing going on with Superman and the question of who is the real one Superman or Clark Kent overlooks the fact that the real one is Smallville Clark Smallville Clark Kent when mm-hmm. he's with his parents or Lana or anyone else who knows that he's Superman that is the real character. And Clark Kent and Superman, to differing extents, you know, Metropolis Clark and Superman are both fictions that that maintain a facade for different purposes. Um, in the Henry Cavill's uh, Superman and Smallville Clark are essentially identical; they're the same character. Um, there, there's no need to to do anything more with Clark because anything that he will be doing with Clark, he's doing as Superman. So yeah, all of this kind of comes back to. Henry Cavill is great, no question. I like him as Superman. I'd like to see more of him as Superman. But if somebody else played Superman in the future, I would be confident that that it would be possible to cast somebody good. So from Warner's point of view, there is an element of, well, if we lose him, does it matter that much? We've got other irons in the fire. Do we even need a Superman film at this point when those films don't have a great reputation and we've got Wonder Woman and potentially Shazam and even, and I'm going to say it, Suicide Squad, because <laughs> um, that was popular. Um But also, from Henry Cavill's point of view, does Henry Cavill need Superman? I'm sure he loves doing it. I know he's a fan of the character. You know, it's a dream job to have, but also it does come with a lot of associated crap. Maybe he's not getting the chance to stretch himself, and you look at the notices that he's been getting for films like Man From U.N.C.L.E. and Mission Impossible, and actually, is he better being free of it and being able to go off and do these other things? And I'm going to throw this out there. <laughs> it doesn't have an awful lot to do with the performance. Um, but Henry Cavill, the kind of celebrity persona, mm. strikes me as a real dum-dum. Um, <laughs> he says stupid things in interviews. He doesn't seem very considered when he talks about issues that mm, carry any importance. Yeah. And is his kind of... Um, I don't think he's a bad person, but I, I, yeah, I would agree yeah. with you. I'm not sure he's uh, especially deep his, person. <laughs> yes, um, 
And I think you can probably see that through his dating history. And one of the funniest interviews I've ever read was Henry Cavill explaining why it's totally not weird that I'm dating a 17-year-old. What do you mean? <laughs> um, he was explaining that it's totally not weird that you're dating a 17-year-old. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. I, 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 and when you associate an actor who I kind of... Uh, in my head, is a bit of a shallow dum-dum with Superman. I kind of, I kind of want someone I really respect in that role. Um, mm. And that's difficult Which... in, in Hollywood, I understand. Uh, but like, hey, how about, you know, a Chris Evans type? That's the difference, and that is the comparison it's, point. Yeah, Chris, Chris Evans lives uh, being that now. What did you know? And this is getting us off on a bit of a tangent, but what I like about Chris Evans is that it seems like he's actually become that person like he wasn't like you look okay you look at Christopher Reeve right and Christopher Reeve not dissimilarly to Chris Evans spent a lot of his time while he was playing this major role also championing causes you know he was famously very liberal and obviously all the kind of anti-nuke stuff in Superman 4 comes from him and he was almost a bit almost people considered him almost a bit excessively a kind of wet idealistic lefty but but he was always like that that, I mean, he was from a reasonably well-off background, but it's because like, like his dad was a poet and stuff. You know, he he came from a kind of artistic liberal background and was and was, was pretty intelligent and was pretty much always like that. Um, Chris Evans seems to have been, you know, again, I don't think he was necessarily a bad person or anything, but the impression I get of Chris Evans when he was younger is that he was a bit like the characters he used to play, like when he was in Not Another Teen Movie and Fantastic Four and that kind of thing. As I say, not necessarily a bad person, but like just a bit of a job. bro. Yeah, a bit of a bro. And seems to have... My man. Yeah. <laughs> and seems to have, in the time that he has become this kind of role model and this public figure has actually spent his time listening to people and developing more empathy and taking things on board and just, you know... And now it's at this point where it's like, can't he just be president? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, Um, I don't don't get that impression off off Henry Cavill the way that I got it off Christopher Reeve or Chris Evans, who, yeah, are, are people who I think part of the reason they inhabited those characters so well is that they really believe slash believed what those characters stand for um so it's interesting i feel like it could still go either way that henry cavill could sign and you know stick around Mm. in the dceu for a load of movies but maybe maybe that's part of the reticence on warner brothers front is that they don't know beyond a few movies what the long-term plans are because it still doesn't feel like they do yeah where do you want to use superman is is ben affleck who is currently (laughs) having personal struggles he's in mm. rehab at the moment is ben affleck going to return to the dc ben, ben it's not going to be batman again i know that's not confirmed but ben affleck is not going to be batman again. it really it really feels like he isn't um and, and then, this is this, then this you're in, then you're in to... this really weird middle ground aren't you where like i think we all kind of have no faith i know they're developing the movie but i don't think any of us think jared leto's returning um <laughs> and then but but yet you've got all these characters who interacted on numerous occasions with other characters who are still around. And can you have a DCEU that just goes, we've just forgotten about Batman and Superman. How's <laughs> How will that work? And I, honestly, you kind of want at some point, like DC to do some hand wavy thing where it goes, 
Oh, and all the characters ended up in their own universe and they didn't interact anymore. <laughs> Do kind of go back to the old school model, which is which is how DC should have always been doing their moves. And you only you know you only have to look at what Shazam looks like, and it's like okay, I know Shazam is going to have an element of it's in a world where Superman is because we've seen like you know the pictures of. Uh, there's a picture where Freddy's wearing a Superman t-shirt and that kind of thing, but mm. you know, it just yeah, it doesn't need that baggage. And Wonder Woman didn't need that baggage. You know, the I think the the one thing it's the that worst part can, of Wonder Woman, yeah, yeah, the thing that people can unequivocally agree was was just did not work in Wonder Woman was creating that link to the to the present. And this is this is the thing. It's it's sort of you know, as I say, from from an individual point of view. And if if it was in other circumstances, I don't think potentially not having Henry Cavill as Superman would harm Warners that much because I think they could either recast or they could quietly... I mean, it's a shame that it would come after a movie where he's just been resurrected rather than them just leaving him dead. But, you know, there's ways around that. It's not that it that, that specifically is a problem. It's the fact that it speaks to just a bigger general problem that that we, and, and, and by extension they just don't seem to have a plan beyond the next couple of movies. That in itself is not necessarily a bad thing either because I think just looking at what Marvel does and going follow that template does isn't necessarily what everyone needs to do and rushing into trying to do six different movies because you think you have to isn't necessarily a good thing. Take them as they go. That approach is fine, but Warners have decided to have this planned scoped out wide universe approach and they haven't got a plan for it and and yeah to to be losing both superman and batman from their superman and batman driven franchise um and this is not this is not the mcu where you don't have the major characters so you've got the playground of the other characters because they haven't got those characters built up enough yet Mm. uh it, it does just feel like a mess and it does just add to the feeling that you know I'm sorry, fans of it who are going to come after me, but the DCEU just feels broken, and there's stuff from it that can be salvaged. But like you say, that's the way to salvage that stuff is to just let it be on its own. They could happily keep on making Wonder Woman films for years. I see no indication that Gal Gadot, also another example of somebody who feels like they live that character, um, I can't imagine her wanting to give that up. Yeah, I... I... It's it's just going to be this weird piece of baggage. If hopefully what they do is because it's not like you can't make good films within the DCEU because we've seen no. good films made within it. And I I, I genuinely I think Shazam is going to be fantastic. I'm going to be so disappointed if it's not. I'm it looks so good. looking forward yeah. to that film. Um, but I mean, we all said this at the time. Like, ha, ha Marvel built up to an Avengers movie, which all the way felt like a risk. Whereas mm. what DC did was. We've made one movie. Shit, we're behind the eight ball. Uh, right now, Batman and Superman are together, and also all of the Justice League tracks have been laid there. And then here's Justice League. Oh, and also our second movie is Suicide Squad. It's fine. That makes sense. It's our Guardians of the Galaxy, but we're doing it ten movies early. Um, and they threw all this stuff together, which a lot of it didn't work, and yet you kind of have to plow ahead. Mm. With those characters, because you know, say Mar- say Marvel makes a movie which ri- which hasn't happened yet, but stinks, and the and the character stinks, and people go, Do you know what? I don't want that character to stick around. I think Marvel have the flexibility to go, yeah, okay, we're not we're not making another movie with that character in. We're, we're, it's just that's not happening anymore. 
and they and they also seem to know when to dial up characters and when to leave characters, you know, to the right amount. DC tried to run before they could walk, and they're suffering from it. And they're suffering from it because not all of it was bad; some of it was good. And now, <laughs> how do, how do you how do you salvage the good and disconnect it from the bad? And I think honestly, just maybe just write an entire movie off in Flashpoint of just <laughs> doing it. <laughs> hey, Wonder Woman's in her own universe now. Batman and Superman have gone to live on a farm. Ah, uh, we will see. Anyway, Seb, um, as part of the Hollywood Reporter article originally, um, it's a quote from the article. Uh, this, uh, the kind of breakdown of talks with uh, Henry Cavill was partly to do with Warner shifting its focus to a Supergirl movie, which will be an origin story featuring a teen superheroine. Uh, this effectively removes an actor of Cavill's age from the storylines equation, given that Superman would have been an infant according to DC law. And there was yes. a follow-up article on the playlist saying that a Supergirl movie would potentially be like a 70s set period piece origin. And do you know what? Like a 70s or 80s set Supergirl as a teenager movie um, sounds like a good idea to me. Sounds like it's it's not exactly what they're doing on TV. Um, it's Supergirl in a place where she can like strike out her own ground and do stuff w- without having the sh- the shadow of Superman. Which season one of Supergirl, for, for all of uh, of how I enjoyed that series, did kind of have this oh, Superman's out there, but we can't see his face <laughs> about it. Um, I like the idea of a Supergirl movie that kind of will get to stand on its own two feet. Uh, I do, but you can't do it in the DCEU. <laughs> This is another reason. This is another the DCEU breaks this stuff. You cannot have Supergirl appear and be called Supergirl and wear the the um, LS shield in a world where the film Man of Steel happens. You just can't. That yeah. just cannot happen. Did everybody forget? Because we played because we played Man of Steel as first contact. We played Man of Steel as first contact. He got named Superman by a random soldier. Um, you know, they hadn't I seen, they hadn't that seen the, did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody had seen the S shield before. They didn't know it stood for hope and that it wasn't an S. You just can't do it. Now, in and of itself, a Supergirl origin story where you've just got Supergirl on her own and no Superman, um, fine, that can work. I think I've talked on this podcast that I would like to see an adaptation of the recent series, Supergirl being super, which I think by the time it gets to the end, I think you do I'm trying to remember it was a little while ago that I read it um I think I think it is a world where superman is present but um th- the whole book is is almost on the premise that he isn't and and it works and it's really good um so that's fine and you know I love the character and you could definitely do that I did I really took issue with the the follow up reports about what they were doing potentially precluding superman being around uh, involved made sense made that make sense but there was an initial bit of reporting so that that initial part of the report said that Cavill couldn't be involved if you did an origin story with Supergirl because he would be a baby and they've got that completely arse over tit because cause they said according to DC law but DC law is Kara is older than Kal-El on Krypton and then gets diverted and by yeah. way of time dilation arrives on Earth later and so is younger than him. So doing a Supergirl movie in and of itself doesn't preclude 
also having Kal-El around. No, but, but it does it does sound like, especially from the follow-up article from the yes, playlist, that but that, but that, that is, bit was that missing from what, the original report. And yeah. it irritated me that someone was was able to publish an article that said, according to DC law, this is the case, when it was <laughs> absolutely nothing of the sort. Right. Well, yet again, we are left wondering what DC will do next. Um, I guess what they will do next is Aquaman and Shazam and Wonder Woman 84, <laughs> which that's good. That's great. Uh, but long term, who knows? Who knows? i tell you where DC do know what they're doing, Seb. That's on the small screen over on the CW. <laughs> um, and we were talking about our dream casting for uh, Lois Lane on the uh, Flowerverse crossover episode next year. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that the person who has eventually been cast is closer to uh, my predictions of it, who it might be <laughs> than who we wanted it to be. It's not, it's um, not Rachel Bloom, no. It's not Rachel Bloom, no. And it's also not anyone kind of like... It's not a big starry name, yeah. Well, so I, what was that? I was saying like names of people who had starred on CW shows before who might be <laughs> age-appropriate. Um, instead, we get Elizabeth Tullock, who... Um, starred on Grimm for a number of seasons, uh, mm-hmm. a show that I never watched, but I know was kind of like uh, culty, kind of always on the bubble on NBC and kept going because it kind of had like its fan base that it had were dedicated enough that it stuck around. Um, and she's been cast as Lois Lane. Um, so I, I'm not sure how much to say about this. I, I would, I will say when I Googled her, I thought, yeah, I, I can see that. She looks the part. Um, I think something that's quite interesting is that she's uh, almost ten years older than Tyler Hecklin, which um, is she's which like is 38. cool. Yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm I'm glad that they weren't afraid of doing that because as Although, I said if before, you're, if you're they kind of Lois Lane in that age range, there are a lot more possibilities that get opened <laughs> up. Well, yeah, but so I Parker said this Posey's before, didn't I? That they'd um, <laughs> they'd cast Jenna Dewan before beforehand as Lucy Lane. Um, who is uh, she's about seven, and so is Elizabeth Tullock. So they've 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 hemmed closer to Elizabeth Tullock being the older sister of Lucy than they have to someone being a similar age to Superman. Although I will say, also, Tyler Hecklin. Tyler looks, Hecklin doesn't look twenty seven. I was going to say he? he looks a lot older than he is. He does look yeah. more like he's in his mid to late thirties, <laughs> which is which is very strange considering he is someone who. Like was a child actor beforehand, and mm-hmm. but now, yeah, does fully look forty years old, because he's the kid in Road to Perdition, right? Is he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's Tom Hanks's son in Road to Perdition. Bloody hell, he is! Wow, yeah. I literally did not know that. I didn't know. How did we not talk about that back when he was cast? Probably never because, done Road I to hadn't, Perdition because I had Despite it being it a comic book movie, we all think it's i mean i've never seen it i just find the idea of it really boring so we've never watched it oh it's no it's it's, it's okay it's okay I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say anything like negative about it no, i'm it sure it's re- fine but never really excites yeah. me it's got it's got paul newman tom hanks yeah oh, wow i did not know it's also got oh, it's daniel craig stanley tucci jennifer jason there yeah uh but yeah so anyway tyler hecklin was young now looks old turns out he's in between the two <laughs> <laughs> of those things um he's, and yeah he's younger than me but i think not younger than you uh no yeah he is he's 31 years old he is older than me yeah still still in my 20s set um 
Elizabeth Tullock is also uh, she's Bitsy Tullock is the name she goes by, and um, yeah. I like that. Um, also, she posted a very sweet um, uh, Instagram post about how inspiring she found Lois Lane, and also how Margot Kidder was one of the one of the actresses who um, kind of inspired her to become an actress. Um, I mean, she it, doesn't look a million miles away from Margot Kidder, does she? No. So yeah, I, I you know. It's nice, um, and hopefully she'll be she'll be good in the role. Um, as part of this kind of casting announcement, we also found out that Cassandra Jean Amell, um, another Amell, is turning up in the Arrowverse. This is, um, <laughs> is Stephen Amell's actually, wife. I was going to say is another member of the family, but by yes. Yeah, so we well we had we had Stephen. Is it Robbie Amell, his younger brother, who was on the Flash? Yeah. Um, and yeah, Cassandra Jean is Stephen Amell's wife. She'll be starring as Nora Freeze in that um, in that oh, right. uh, Arrowverse crossover, which I think is how we are going to get to the Batwoman of it all. I was yeah, that's to say that's that's interesting because obviously when you, we're not going to get Batman. Um, what what are the the rights issues over characters who could presumably be used in Gotham? Uh, do they have carte blanche because it's they've because got it's no it's, it's a D, no it's a, yeah it's a DC Warner's show the cw is so they can use anybody who they've licensed to fox for gotham i know no, i think i think that literally the the all of the dc shows can pretty much use whoever they want as long as warner brothers says it's okay because i think they're all produced by warner's production companies right. um and i think and as far as i know warner brothers has the rights to all of dc comics yeah, maybe not. Maybe not some of the Vertigo stuff, or whatever. But uh, uh, no, I mean, I it's, 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 yeah, I any, anything that's DC is yeah is under the auspices of of Warner. And actually, yeah. oh, this, I'm just looking actually, an interesting. Like they have done Mister Freeze on, or they've done Victor Fry's Freeze, whatever, on Gotham. Um, yeah, so. well, I think Gotham's done just about every villain yeah. going <laughs> at this point. Um, um, but yeah, no, that that makes sense then. As a, I mean, although I I would kind of think if you're gonna grab a Batman character. And use them as a way of bringing it, like a Batman villain to bring in uh, Batwoman. Wouldn't you do Poison Ivy? Um, do you know? Do you know what would be would be fun is if uh, it is if in the Supergirl universe, which is where I'm assuming that this Batwoman comes from, uh, rather than the Flash and Arrow's world. I'm assuming that Batwoman is. It's yeah. Uh... I think it. I think it makes more sense. I would like that to be a universe where. Literally, Batwoman is the only hero in Gotham, and mm. it'd even be fun if all of the heroes, if all of the villains, were gender flipped. So actually, uh, Nora, Nora Freeze, rather than being the wife of Miss Freeze, Miss Freeze, yes, <laughs> is Miss yeah, Freeze. Yeah, I could, I could, cool. I could see that. Um, I do. Yeah, I wonder if because there is at some point there is going to be a Batman in the Flowerverse somewhere. Maybe, but probably I, I would imagine probably the same level as, of prominence as Tyler Hecklin's. Yeah, Superman. but I, I think if you're if you're going to put one somewhere, I I would rather I I like the the premise of wherever Batwoman comes from, there isn't a Batman. I like yes. that, but I also think that the world that's got a Superman should also have a Batman. I th- I think I think you need that cosmic balance. I think any world that's got a Superman in it needs a Batman in it as well. Or maybe Bruce Wayne's just still young. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Seb, 
uh, we'll do our last little bit of DC news. Uh, you wanted to talk briefly about Titans because there was a clip from Titans released and it has you scratching your head a little bit. It just has me scratching my head. I mean, maybe I just haven't paid much attention to this show because it looks like a pile of shit. But um, uh, yeah, I didn't realise this show was also going to have Jason Todd in it and that Jason Todd was going to be the current Robin. And what confuses me, so it's a scene where Dick Grayson is is talking to Jason Todd and Jason Todd's talking about how awesome it is to be Robin. But you also see Jason in the Robin costume. But then everything we've seen of Dick up to this point is he's in the Robin costume. So in Titans, is he Robin? Or is all the pictures and footage that we've seen of him as Robin flashbacks? And is he going to be Nightwing? Or And why am I even asking these questions about a show that I don't care about and I'm not going to watch because it looks awful? Um, <laughs> that yeah, I just thought, how, how, how do you make a show that looks bad look even worse? Put Jason Todd in it. <laughs> Poor Jason Todd. Maybe he'll get bludgeoned to death with the crowbar. That'll be all right. <laughs> Hey, Jason, Seb, I'm Jason gonna... they found a, you know, I, I don't read the stuff with him in, but DC have found a, a point with Jason Todd that works quite well now. Um, now that he's back and now that he's not a villain, but he is a vigilante. Basically, it's it, what Jason Todd is is what happens when someone from the Batman family goes wrong. And and breaks Batman's rule about we don't kill baddies, but but is still devoted to taking down baddies and crime. And actually, as I say, it doesn't mean I necessarily enjoy the comics with him in because I don't like the character. But that's a that's a good use for Jason Todd. They he they found a good place for him in the Batman mythos, and I don't mind him being around as a result. Okay, a uh, comics corner for you there. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, Titans has just, the DC, that DC Universe stuff is going to, yeah, it's going to take something for me to sign up at this point when it eventually makes it. I was going to say, we're, yeah, we're not, we're not going to have the opportunity anyway. I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure Titans will get picked up by a channel or a platform somewhere because there I are enough like t- channels and platforms in need of content that they can plunk it on there. But. I feel like Titans has Amazon Prime written all over it in the UK, but we'll, mm-hmm. we will see. Um, We'll move on to our final piece of news, and that is uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which got its first trailer this week, Seb. Um, and hot take, I don't really know why the internet is getting so so <laughs> in a tizzy over this, other than maybe most of the internet didn't know the show was coming. Because I think, it, I think it's that thing of it becomes real when you get the first trailer, so it doesn't necessarily matter... So much what's in the trailer. Also, I because think nothing, look nothing is in the trailer. <laughs> well, no, I think the trailer does tell you something if you're not following this as closely as we are. If you're following this as closely as we are, you already know what Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is, and you know that it's a horror comic. Yeah. If you knew that there was a Sabrina show on the way, or as you say, didn't know at all, but you know what Sabrina is, and everybody knows what Sabrina mm. is. Um, then you see that trailer and you go, oh, wow, Sally Draper from Mad Men is playing Sabrina and it looks like a dark, twisted, fucked yeah. up horror thing. And yeah. I think, and and it's still got the cat in it. So you put those things together and I can kind of see why people have got a bit mental for it. And I can see why uh, certain people I know who are horror fans and Riverdale fans and looking forward to this lost their shit a bit over it because it looks like they're not scrimping on the horror visuals and that kind of thing. Do you know what? I just, I just hope that this is a show that 
commits to that visual because if that's if that's what they're going for and the and the trailer shows as kind of um you know pretty young blonde sabrina uh, having a birthday party with lots of occult paraphernalia around her and people doing creepy things and there's creepy chanting and there's creepy imagery and i hope that that is what the show and the narrative of the show is able to hem closely to because honestly, I think any time Riverdale was at its best when it was treating itself semi-seriously, and any time Riverdale treats itself fully seriously, it's real bad. Yeah. Um, and I, my hope for Sabrina is that. Well, I kind of want it to treat itself seriously, but be able to pull it off. <laughs> um, I think. I do not believe you would ever cast Michelle Gomez in something that you intend to take itself 100% seriously. Yeah. I yeah, I I think what what this mostly comes down to is I've seen Riverdale. I kind of enjoyed Riverdale as a show that I could kind of for the first season go, "Oh my god. No, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous, but still enjoy it." And then through the second season just go I don't want to watch the next episode. <laughs> and my and my worry for Sabrina is I really like Kin and Shipka and I like the casting. I like the idea. I just... Yeah, uh, well, I think what I took away from the trailer was that is what I expected to see, but it doesn't make me any more confident that they're going to pull off what they've set out to do. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It's a weird one. I don't I, like... And, and that's not... That's not to say it's a bad trailer. It just didn't. It didn't make me any more or less excited. It made me uh, equally anxious. <laughs> I think. I think what's worth noting is, you know, we haven't seen anything of the normal life yet, and and this show is supposed to be about the conflict between her normal life and her family background. Um, mm. And yeah, we, you know, we haven't seen the school stuff yet, which you know I would imagine is going to be. Not unlike Riverdale, but hopefully a bit a bit lighter. Um, but yeah, I just I just think that this could be really fun, and and fun is what I hope it is. Um, so yeah, which is funny we say about Riverdale season two because yeah, I, I I struggled with it and and didn't end up getting all the way through it and kept trying to hop back on and then just just not really. And there was a point around the middle. There's one episode. And it's actually, I think, when I think Roberto Aguirre Sacasa came back on board and wrote, having not written for a little while. And it's the episode that is basically the Bart the Murderer episode of The Simpsons, where where Archie starts working for um, Hiram. And it was great. And it was like this: this is what I want Riverdale to be like. This is funny and has its tongue in its cheek, but it's playing it just seriously enough as well. It just struck that balance that I think the first season did really well. And I was like, yes, I'm back on board. And then it just, it just didn't carry on hooking me because it didn't carry on maintaining that what i want riverdale to be is more season one of the oc and less season three of the oc <laughs> it's, a, it's a deep cut for the oc fans out it's there. A, yeah that's that that's one of your young person's 2000s television references ah the oc what a time to season one of the oc which packs in four seasons of narrative into one season it's fantastic um the oc was just dawson's creek for your generation yeah pretty much 
which I uh, said I was the back end of the Dawson's Creek generation as well. Yeah, actually, they 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 are didn't OC pretty much start as Dawson's Creek Probably, was finishing, yeah, so they're not like that far apart. Two thousand three, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, that's it for this week's news, and we'll move on now to our final section, which is. A brand new minisode. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe minisode. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me to fill in the gap between uh, the minisode you heard a second ago and our X-Men 3 episodes are... James Hunt. What? That's me. (laughs) And Seb's still here. Um, (laughs) Right, listeners, peek behind the curtain. Uh, we were going to try and get James's little pitch sections edited in. James was—he's really—he's a busy guy nowadays. He's really hard to pin down. He's always <laughs> off doing one social event or another. We were—we were on the phone to his PA like three or four times this uh, week, and we finally managed to to pin him down. I think you were in an airport I, I lounge saying, at the moment, James. I keep saying I've still got time for you. Just just set it up <laughs> with my people. Believe it. I mean, this podcast we were going to release on Monday, and then James was like, "Oh no, we'll we'll we can record an insert when when the Captain Marvel trailer comes out on Tuesday." I was like, "Right, brilliant, okay." <laughs> Tuesday night comes, Joe. My social commitments have just become too much, um, and then eventually we managed to pin him down for tonight. And um, Seb and I turned up on Mike, and oh, where's James? <laughs> Only off watching a bloody episode of Killing Eve, yeah, episode two. It's really good. What what you've seen of it? We had to drag you away, literally. <laughs> Look, so I was, yesterday I was coming second place in the British Museum quiz, having <laughs> won a tiebreaker, and I think if that's not worth missing the podcast for, what is? So, listeners, you will have heard us just do our other part of the minisode. This isn't going to be. Um, I actually can't I remember anything I said on that minisode. It was so long no, ago. me either. It's got all completely gone from my head because my head is filled with. Captain Marvel trailer! Um, <laughs> guys, I, I kind of expected or half, half expected to be like, I bet I'm going to be Mr. Curmudgeon again and be like, it's just a trailer, you guys. It's It was good. I thought it was really good <laughs> to the point that like there is actual filmmaking in it with that, like those montage of images oh, yeah. of Carol yeah. at the end with the fist and the... It looks good and she looks good and that's that's the that, that's like because you know if, she, if she's amazing and the movie turns out to be lackluster then that'll be disappointing but at least she'll be good and she looks she looks really cool in the costume we know she's a great actress and it kind of the whole aesthetic of it kind of i'm sold i mean who isn't right well, I don't know. There's there's a few things that I've got to say about about this. Really, um, I think it's really important to make these points because I think they they need to be made, and and I need to be given money to to write about them. So, so first of all, I think I think she needs to smile more. She doesn't really seem to be smiling in the posters or in the trailer. Um, I don't understand why Captain Marvel, a female heroic superhero, is punching an old lady in the face. Um, and I don't understand why Marvel have been allowed to take um, the classic Fawcett and DC Comics character Captain Marvel and turn him into a woman. It's just SJW nonsense gone mad. What's going on? The internet's annoying sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> At least we haven't been counting the words that uh, yeah, Alison Brie Nick, said Nick versus had, the words Samuel Jackson more has more said. Words than, than, than Carol Wait, did you yeah. just call her Alison Brie? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Alison Brie Larson. Alison Brie Larson. They had a picture together on Instagram they did. last week. It was <laughs> as if I'm not confused enough. Yes. <laughs> um, um, 
so you guys, what I really like about this trailer is, um, aside from the Brie Larson of it all, and like I say, there's, she, it's... There, there was just, I mean, can you say aside from that? I think it's worth, <laughs> like, just from the way she looks in this trailers, like, just the presence and it is just like, she just looks like she's just going to absolutely kick ass. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think, I think she's sort of, she's maybe heading towards possibly a position that, that Jennifer Lawrence was in. You know, like that point when just everybody loved Jennifer Lawrence. And I think people kind of feel a bit that way about Brie Larson at the moment. So maybe it's just that we're all a bit, we all love Brie Larson, so it's maybe reading too much into it. But yeah, it's hard not to get just joy out of just seeing her in that trailer being a superhero and, and looking awesome. And yeah, the other thing that I really liked in this trailer was... Um... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What they're hinting at around the origin, which is that they'd already said that they were throwing out the comic book origin ostensibly because it was too similar to the Green Lantern movie. (laughs) And being Um, identical to it. Yeah. And and replicating it with this kind of an origin story as a like a mystery around the character that the character doesn't know the answer to, or that she thinks she has a different origin to maybe the one she has. Well, and playing and, and in a movie filled with scrolls, playing with reality as well. Have you seen before we get onto that in a bit more detail? Have you seen what's been happening in comics this week? Uh, I, Batman's dick. <laughs> apart from Batman, that has Dick. been happening, and yes. apart from Nightwing getting shot in the head, uh, so two, no, two, it was, two it was Batman spoilers. dicks this it was, week. It was, it was all Batman's dick for me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. The uh, so the latest issue, I think issue three of the Life of Captain Marvel, which is the series that they've been putting out, that's that's essentially retelling her origin. They have thrown in a major retcon to her origin. Uh, this is spoilers for a comic that came out yesterday as we record this but it's also kind of all over the internet so um, it's obviously work that's being done to line up with the film because the last page of the issue reveals that Carol's mother appears to be a Kree warrior 
Right, okay. But I think that's that side of things we assumed, right? That they were saying that she was going to be half human, half Cree. I know, but what, but what I think is interesting is, what, what I mean is, what they've said about the film is the film is doing it differently from the comics yeah, and what actually yeah, okay. looks to be happening is the comics are bringing themselves in line right. with what the film's doing mm. um yeah which is kind of also um they did that with star lord as well they went back and retold star lord's origin uh, after guardians and and basically did the guardians I mean, version I, of it I, I do feel like we should take that with a pinch of salt because they also brought back a version of hope Pym slash Hope Van Dyne into the comics who bore no resemblance to the one from the movies. So True. just because just because they do something in the comics, it doesn't mean it will follow in the movies. But I think no, but in 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 the comics before now, there has never been. Correct me if I'm wrong, James, because you are a, a Carol Danvers fan. There's never been any hint that Carol is anything other than a human who obtained these abilities, right? Uh, I mean. Part of her obtaining the abilities was getting becoming sort of half Cree. So, but she wasn't born. She wasn't born with them. No, the yeah, exactly. the implication was she acquired like yeah. Cree DNA. Yeah, that gave her her powers. Yeah, but it seems yeah. like in the film either. Well, I mean, it could be one of multiple things. It could be she's born half Cree. It could be she becomes half Cree, and in the process, her memories are are altered or starts by tricks in her. Or, or the she, third or one could be led she's to believe that she's half Cree. Exactly. She's completely alien and she's been led to believe or yeah, more she's been led to believe that she's part human or, or fully human. I, I do uh, like if that. I had to put if I had to put money on something, I would guess she is half human, half alien, but she was given a false origin story to make her think she wasn't an alien. Yeah. I think because there's a lot of that in the trailer of of like her looking sort of confused about what her past is, Mm, and I really like that. As I think you kind of you kind of touched on it, Joe. You know the the hints that we're going to see her remembering a life that she's not actually certain whether or not she actually had, and also just the idea of like having this this origin story as a mystery that unravels throughout the film rather than gets told to us in (laughs) done in in flashback. Yeah, and and as I said, with the villains being the Kree, feels like thematically in line with that. Like, what is reality? What what can I believe? Um, Yeah, and it it, ties in great with Agents of Shield. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah so we get you get young uh young nick fury young yeah. uh young clark greg clark greg's uh, been in the netflix wigs box the flashback <laughs> wigs <laughs> he has a quiff now um there was a tweet from uh one of our um regular podcasts um i'm on uh he was saying um dc we're going to badly digitally remove uh Henry Cavill's mustache, Marvel. Yeah, we've de-aged fully and convincingly Samuel L. Jackson and Clark Gregg. (laughs) I think they've probably spent more money on doing it for Samuel L. Jackson than they have for Clark Gregg. Probably. I imagine he's going to be in significantly more of the movie as well. Um, But yeah, I, I, I... I really dug this, you guys. Um, can I can I just pick up on a couple of other little details? Absolutely. Me? The mask, which I don't think we knew before this was going to be in the film, no. did we? The the McKelvey designed helmet mask thing. Uh, that was with pretty the, cool to see. With the Mohawk, yeah. yeah. Um, the pager getting in there, I thought was nice. <laughs> showing a retro that. version of the pager, yeah. 
Yeah, and it, but I think that's 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 nice because that draws the link for people who aren't, yes. who don't immediately yeah. know what her relation to everything is. It just puts that le- that little seed there. I the people who did, that... do you mean the people who didn't go home and Google? Yeah. what's that pager about? <laughs> oh man, imagine if you Google Captain Marvel after seeing that trailer, though you're going to be fucking confused. Um, <laughs> you'll you'll get the trailer for Shazam coming up. If DC have got any sense, they will be. Uh, putting pay-per-click adverts for the term Captain Marvel direct into the Shazam advert. If they don't do that, they should hire me to come and do it for them. Um, it's going to cost them a pretty penny, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying um, not to get bogged down in a discussion of trademark law here. <laughs> not Move trademark, on. if you're just bidding on keywords. Now, you can't um, buy other people's trademarks as keywords. Uh, yeah, people do. <laughs> yeah, but you're not allowed to. And Marvel and DC both have lawyers. I said I wasn't going to get bogged down in this. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought it was funny that um, that the trailer opens with her crashing into Blockbuster Video because this trailer went online, I think, the day after uh, the Deadpool <laughs> yeah. 2 Blockbuster Video thing was happening in the UK. Yeah. Setting up a fake Blockbuster Video for people to come and get Deadpool 2. Yeah. Um, so I just, that was just that. weird. That missed my radar completely. Oh, okay, so yeah. it's all so, it's all one company now, Seb. So they so they had a pop up. Uh, <laughs> there was a pop up shop, Joe, uh, set up in London, a, a, a fake blockbuster video. And if you had an old blockbuster video card, if you still had it, you could turn up and get a limited edition VHS case for Deadpool two with a download code for the film inside it. Do you know what? All of the all of these VHS uh, there's uh, there's a bunch of. Um, I think it's DVDs that have been sold at HMV, maybe, that are being, um, like, Blu-rays repackaged into Hitch- VHS. Yeah, Guide's I've doing it. I've seen them in um, Yeah, I really uh, it's want the just... Hitch- Guide one, actually. It's a terrible it's idea, is what it is. It's just, a really bad just, idea. I just hate it. It's, uh, we get... Like, I thought it was quite cute with the, like, the tape cassettes for Guardians of the Galaxy. That, uh, I, yeah, this... Kind of I think if it's appropriate for the thing that's been done, like Hitchhiker's Guide is a show <laughs> from know, 1982, just... and they're putting it in packaging that looks like the original VHS release packaging. So, but no- nostalgia for a terrible format. Yeah, I, VHS yeah, was really bad. Hard out on VHS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anything else on Captain Marvel? I'm trying to think. I I don't know. It's got uh, oh, the cat. The little glimpse what about, of uh, what's the Jude cat? Law. Tell me about the cat. I want to know about the cat. That's what I mostly want to know about. <laughs> Chewy the cat. Yeah, I don't like yeah. that he's called Chewy, but yeah, apart from he, that, there's, there's going to be a cat named in this after movie. Chewbacca in yeah. a that's, nice that, piece that, of corporate synergy that was admittedly created before Marvel and Star I was going to say that was the same company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 but, it's not a piece of corporate synergy that's been done by this movie. It's a pre. Yeah, but why is the cat there? What does the cat? What, what does the cat do? Because well, they put she, the cat she, on the poster. She has a cat in you know that she lives with um on earth and that's you know it was a thing like captain marvel's cat uh oh okay it later does turn out to be an alien but i think the less said about that idea the better <laughs> well could Is it, it be a scroll to jones the cat <laughs> no it, looks it, like was, jones. it was like some kind of um like weird interdimensional alien that like laid eggs in people's brains or something i forget it was it was not I'm a good it. resolution to that story Captain Marvel's cat is going to be a scroll. <laughs> I do. Speaking of scrolls, um, the the old woman punch as something to put in a trailer. Yes, um, you know to so that people who know will know. Oh, that's a scroll. <laughs> that's and people a scroll. Who don't yeah. will be 
what the fuck's going on here? And one person who doesn't will write an angry article on the Guardian website about it. I do um, think, like, I, I'm sympathetic to the idea that it's entirely confusing to see a superhero punching an old woman in the face without context. On yes, the other hand, I'm entirely sympathetic if you, to the idea If you sit Google down to write exists. that piece, maybe <laughs> just Google it and check yeah. what you're seeing. Like, maybe there's some significance. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know people are paid for clicks or whatever, but come on. Yeah. Come on. No, that's the point. It's obviously in there to make people have the reaction that, that Zoe Williams had, which was, what the hell's going on here? That's weird. But it's designed to make you interested, not make you go, oh, this film is obviously doing something abhorrent because it's just so at odds with anything else that this trailer says about anything that why would you think that that was a face value moment? Um, but, yeah. Um, I... Okay, I've one more thing to say about this, which is a um, I am I saw somebody else suggest this, uh, although I can't remember their name, but uh, I want to put this out there because now that I've heard this, this is my favourite theory uh, for something that's going to happen in Captain Marvel. So you get to the end of the film and you get your post credits scene, and your post credit scene is Captain Marvel receiving the pager message from Nick Fury. And then Captain Marvel fades away into dust. <laughs> imagine would, that as a fake. They would out. not fuck just with this imagine, like that. just imagine. Yeah. Wouldn't that be good? I mean, it would be it would be good. Other than I think he, it would be good as a like, oh my god, what the fuck just happened? But it would be <laughs> bad in that I'm I'm hoping by the end of Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel is your glimmer of hope <laughs> that mm. you've gone. That you've gone, holy shit, she could change everything and then roll on Avengers Forever or whatever it's... I I do hope as well. I don't care about it, but I hope we get something that addresses just so that people stop asking the question of why she wasn't called upon earlier. Oh, Um, no, that has to be part of it. it. It, like, fundamentally has to be part of all of this. There is a... She not just why hasn't she been called upon earlier, but why hasn't any of the why haven't any of the threats facing Earth, or you know the Cree for that matter, because or involving the Cree because I mean for for what we know, Thanos just destroyed Xandar, right? Yeah, just fucking just fucking leveled it in Infinity War off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's too I much think he stuff. Said he decimated it, so that's only ten percent. Yeah, which is which for Thanos is pretty generous. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was he was five um, times more generous than usual. Um, uh, Sarah Fenowitz is still dead. Um, I yeah, I I would imagine there has to be an answer for not just why has Nick Fury not pushed that button sooner, but why you know why couldn't he and why hasn't she stepped in. Like, regardless of being asked for help, why hasn't she given help? Um, and I, I imagine that is all baked into the premise, uh, mm. or, or baked into the resolution of this movie. I'm sure. Um, I mean, it would be also, fairly dumb I, of them. I find it... Sorry, go on. Uh, I was going to say it would be fairly dumb of them to set the movie in the '90s, having not thought mm. of that. Like, I imagine yeah. that was fairly high up the list of things they knew when they went. Yes, let's exactly. set the film in the '90s rather than yeah. go. Oh, how can we make things really hard for ourselves? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a a theory that by the end of the movie she decides that she's too powerful and she that that uh, thing that's shooting stuff into her brain she's wearing the like the full Captain Marvel costume there that's actually the end of the movie and that's where we leave her. 
where she's like voluntarily taking herself off the board. She's like, I'm too too powerful. I'm dangerous. Kind of, uh, what was that cool comic that you made me read about the guy who was a hero and a villain at the same time? Sentry. Sentry, yeah. Kind of like Sentry. Maybe she's Sentry. It's not a bad theory. uh, it's it's a wrong theory, but I, in my head, I'm happy with it. <laughs> um, I wonder if we are slightly overplaying how powerful she'll turn out to be. I mean, no, she's, she's, she's quite she's clearly extrapolating it because of. Um, I think she's going to be the one to help them beat Thanos. But it's like you know, are we talking more powerful than an Asgardian here? We're talking um, most most powerful Avenger, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'm pretty sure that the. Uh, maybe not Feige, but I'm sure someone has said that Captain Marvel will, when she shows up, will be the strongest, most powerful Avenger. But is that? I would I'm... say she can definitely take a hit from Stormbreaker or whatever and come yes. back fighting. She I just think... absorb the energy and fire it back. Quite. It just feels. Like, I mean, if she's unique, then fair enough. But you know, given that she kind of comes from a team of people who are these warriors who you presume have not dissimilar powers, it feels like a ramping up. If she's one of several people who are more powerful than anyone we've seen, this is, it did take this is why all of this origin too. stuff is great, though. This is why the the confused <laughs> origin stuff. Because yes, she's come from Star Force, but how did she end up there? And if she does have the Earth background, how did she end up in Star Force but not have her memory of of being on Earth? So maybe she's been recruited because they know exactly how powerful she is. And that they know they might need her, you know. There's, uh, there's when when you're playing with kind of like gaslighting concepts, there's so much you can do. I mean, and, and let's remember, like the the comics thing is people just get more and more powerful until eventually they are too powerful. So you know, I I Which is pretty think much there's there's, that there's nothing like at odds <laughs> with the, uh, you know, the general trend in superheroes to just introduce them and make them get more and more powerful. Like I re- the thing I really like about her actually is that she is like a proper like classic powers superhero in the Marvel universe because the Marvel universe tends to play things really like grounded for the most part. Yeah. Mm. But like she I is just... like Superman level flying person shooting energy beams like she would not be out of place in a DC film. But in I that think, sense. do you not think it would be a shame if she winds up being too powerful to be a regular part of things? You know, this idea of her being taken off the board after she's done what she needs to in in Avengers 4, it's like, well, you know, are we not looking at setting up a new gang of characters here? And if if you've got to keep hiding her out of the way, because otherwise any threat that comes along... It's like, you know, if there's there's a threat that um, is big enough to need Captain Marvel, it's too big for (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah, but this is the Justice League argument though, right? You're just saying, like, why does a team that has Superman need Batman? Yeah, and I, and I don't. I think you've you've got you've literally got the scene in Infinity War that kind of disproves that because you you've got the scene where Spider Man and Star Lord and Iron Man are, and Doctor Strange, who have vastly different levels of powers, are all combining to fight to fight Thanos and do it and like adding their own little unique uh, twist to it from their power set. And I think probably if Captain Marvel could come over, come into Infinity War and knock over Thanos with a little finger, then yes, that would be boring. But if she is the extra additional amount of power needed to take him down, then that is, you know, she is just the most powerful, but not like so powerful that... And yeah, and I think that it kind of is the argument about Superman all the time, isn't it? People saying, well, isn't he too powerful? <laughs> Can't he just check everyone into the sun? <laughs> 
Yeah, and and uh, unbelievably, That's why you're they've... not Superman, James. <laughs> <laughs> but they found, you know, set what eight nine decades of of Superman compelling Superman stories to tell, despite that. So the the point I want to make is when, like, when the heroes of the Marvel Cinematic Universe fight Galactus, they are not going to get anywhere without Reed Richards, and it's not his powers that are going to make it a success. Mm. He's a smarty pants. You know, it's all about the character. That's that's what it comes from. Yeah. Like you can be powerful or weak, but as long as you're filling a role in the in the story that only that character can fill. Right, guys, we've talked about the Captain Marvel trailer for twenty five minutes, which is conservatively twelve or thirteen times the length of the trailer itself. <laughs> um, it, it's almost like our Infinity War episode that was longer than Infinity War. Uh, so we'll move on uh, to the other really big piece of news that has you know broken since James has. Uh, Dane to join Dane to join us on this podcast um, Marvel are looking to develop some movie heroes to get their own TV series on the upcoming Disney streaming service which kind of felt to me a bit like oh DC you've got this thing coming up you've got some comics on there and I don't know you've got what you've got uh Brendan Fraser voicing a character, Timothy Dalton. Yeah, that's that's cool. We're taking our characters from the MCU, probably Tom Hiddleston and Elizabeth Olsen, and putting them into series on this platform that's going to have all of the other Disney shit on there already. This when this platform launches, it's gonna launch in a big, big way. So potentially, you guys, Loki and Scarlet Witch live action TV shows and potentially other shows based on movie characters. Uh, uh, it, it was suggested, though, characters who have yet to appear in their own standalone movies. So you're not going to get an Iron Man TV show. Um, you're not even going to get a Black Widow TV show because she's getting her own movie. Um, but, yeah, characters like Loki and Scarlet Witch. Do, I mean, does this mean we're going to get Scarlet Witch saying, like, fuck Iron Man? <laughs> I don't think so. Somehow, uh, I mean, crucially, produced by Marvel Studios and not Marvel. The, that was the point I wanted to make. Is that after several years of watching the absolute creative dregs of what Marvel Television offers, mm. I'm very excited to see Marvel Studios bringing their ethos to the TV format. Because don't uh, get me wrong, I love some of the Marvel TV shows, mm, but the vast majority word. of them have been extremely hard to watch although iron fist 2 actually great watch iron fist 2 it is my third we'll talk about this at a later date of the netflix uh, shows it's still got finn jones in it no but it's really good it's really good so um so for me james the the best marvel tv shows to date have been daredevil which even daredevil i'm like all right enough of the ninjas now guys um (laughs) and um, and Agent Carter. And Agent Carter obviously had a lot more to do with the movie side of things than the other projects have. Um, like, more so than um, a- uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. even, because some movie yeah. talent kind of showed up in its creative uh, journey. Um, so this sounds interesting to me. Each series expected to be six to eight episodes, which, again, after watching... <laughs> The Netflix shows try and tread water for 13 episodes every season. Um, Iron Fist 2, 10 episodes. Just want to point out. Oh, was it? 
Yep. Ooh, and much better for it. Um, yeah, so uh, this... Who knows whether these series will be good um, and whether these particular ones will actually come to pass, but a Loki TV show centred on Loki, I would be... Even though they killed him and they kind of put a line under it, we were talking, weren't we, at the end of the Thor Ragnarok podcast that it felt like there was a different twist on Loki that they could explore after that, mm-hmm. going down a more comicsy route. Yeah. Um, and and Scarlet Witch, you could imagine them having fun with the magic side of things and kind of removing her from, oh, just another Avenger. I, I was just going to say, you know, a, a, a Loki show would be really fun and a, and a Scarlet Witch show w- would exist as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scarlet think... Witch has only really had a, like a couple of series. In fact, she's, I think she's only had the one where she headlined and it wasn't great. Was that I'm the not re- sure the re- that... I read Robinson one. I'm not I read sure some of the recent as a one. concept she really works as a standalone character. Certainly not this version of her either. It's, I'd be interested to see what they do with that. I I I would kind of agree with that. I think Elizabeth Olsen has become... The, the, the Scarlet Witch character has become less interesting with every passing movie. To the point that now she feels like she has just powers. I liked the visions... I liked the... the chemistry that she had with Paul Bettany and that 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 like relationship that was inserted into um Infinity War but I was le- I I don't know I mean it if, it's, if it's a Scarlet Witch and Vision show that would be an entirely different prospect and probably a much better one uh if it's if it's just Scarlet Witch on her own like you say she went from being like new interesting villain character to sort of rookie avenger to here's the one with sort of telekinesis ish stuff I um, I, t- I too enjoy the chemistry that that she has with somebody who's nearly twenty years older than her. <laughs> um, are you guys prepared for two to three years from now, all of us having this Disney streaming platform in our home? Because <laughs> I mean, I just, already have the existing we, one. We so. we've, got, we've got Disney Life. <laughs> yeah, but Disney Life is gonna is gonna seem like I don't know some quaint little antiquated app compared to what they launched because it's well that would be good because the disney life app is beyond terrible yeah okay and and also yeah lois will be like what five or six by then so she'll want to watch more stuff so yeah but can you imagine this this with disney's back catalog of movies and of animated content and star wars and indiana jones and marvel and pixar and it's just going to be like it just from a library point of view is going to be phenomenal. Like I it, just imagine the amount of like DVDs and Blu-rays of Disney movies that parents buy every year, and then here is a app with all <laughs> of them. I think you, you might be overestimating to. that because we own like two because it's all on Disney Life. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's the difference. Yeah, but Disney Life doesn't have everything, does it? Uh, basically much. everything yeah it doesn't it, what it doesn't have is the franchise the big franchise stuff that they've bought it does it, have it, marvel yeah, it animation it doesn't have marvel movies and it doesn't, doesn't, have, have, doesn't have star doesn't wars. have star wars but I it has basically it everything disney and pixar i i have not looked for a disney movie on there that is that has turned out not to be on there no or oh, cartoon no, like is, it's got it's got gummy bears it's got gargoyles it's got for some reason, uh, one brilliant. of the winnie the poos isn't on there the the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which collects the first three from the seventies, is but for some reason the Tigger one 
isn't the the standalone Tigger one from the seventies is not on there, and I don't know why. That there was, was a, a Tigger movie in oh the one that introduced him. Yeah, yeah, not the Tigger yeah. movie, the original Winnie the Pooh, and I think it's okay, called yeah, Tigger yeah, yeah. Two, where that yeah. introduces him. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean now. Yeah, um, but all of that is going to be on this plus more, and if this is what they're doing with Marvel, you can bet your ass they're going to do something with Star Wars as well. Um, and it's I, 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 you know, that just just these shows alone show to me an ambition that. I don't think any other studio is could could try and replicate. No, I because they, you know getting Tom Hiddleston to star in your streaming show about <laughs> a, a character who everyone already loves from the five movies he starred in. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I'm, I'm happy to winner, live. I'm happy to live in the age of streaming TV where no one really knows how much it's worth, and it's just sort of throwing <laughs> an endless pit of money into it. Um, and of course you know when when we do all have that that disney service with everything uh dc universe still won't be available in the uk (laughs) absolutely can i just throw in a a correction by the way i've just looked it up and winnie the pooh and tigger 2 is part of the many adventures of winnie the pooh it's winnie the pooh and a day for eeyore that is the later standalone one that is not on disney life okay once again you've embarrassed not just us but well, it's just it. It would have bugged me at going out with that because I knew someone would know it was wrong. So we'd, we'd get we'd we'd get the poo truthers to go along with the poo truthers. Um, I was just thinking about which kind of other characters probably fit the mold that they were talking about. So, show centered on. I'm sure James super- would like a Darcy show. I was about well, that- to say I'm ready for the Darcy show. That's definitely not going to happen. Uh, show centred on beloved beloved superheroes who've yet to appear in their own standalone movies. So, I mean, Agent me, Carter Hulk. season three. Well, that's Hawkeye. It's Agent Carter season three is definitely on my list. That makes so much sense. Uh, Falcon and maybe like a World of Wakanda type of TV show. Yeah, spending a bit more time with those supporting characters who they've set up who will never really get the opportunity to be a big part of movies because even when Black Panther 2 comes along you'll get bits of some of them or like maybe one of them you know Shuri or somebody will be quite prominent but um, I mean the talk is already that they have reached the the reshoots of Infinity War have dialed up the Black Panther involvement (laughs) yeah Um, but imagine just imagine like M'Baku the TV show yes (laughs) yes please yeah but yeah, um, the, I mean, there's there's lots of potential there. Look at certain projects that they've tried to get off the ground on TV and have failed, or they've tried to get off the ground on TV, but because Marvel Television have had their hands on them, they haven't maybe been the quality that Marvel Studios could have produced. Um, New Warriors, apparently, you know, that was a show that they made a pilot for, which apparently, like, absolutely knocked the socks off everyone who saw it. But Freeform decided it wasn't for them and Marvel have taken it back and are still kind of looking for where it might eventually land. Well, mm. maybe the Disney Life app and maybe <laughs> it, maybe a show like uh, Cloak and Dagger made under Marvel studio, studio supervision doesn't end up being a show which I think people like, but I don't think has a huge profile. And maybe, James, you don't have to go through an Iron Fist season one to get to an Iron Fist season two. If, Maybe if if characters of a similar stature go straight to Disney Life from now on instead of Netflix, because even if those shows remain on Netflix, which I know is up in the air, 
Disney aren't going to be selling, uh, giving the rights to any more characters to Netflix to populate their service with. No, the Moon Knight TV series is not going to be on Netflix. No. <laughs> Um, um and and you know like yeah so like punisher probably comes around a year later it probably isn't on netflix it's probably kept back for themselves and um, what, what i was just gonna say about about agent carter was you could actually do something where you don't rely on people you don't do it as a direct continuation of agent carter season two you don't rely on people having watched that tv show that nobody watched um but you you just do you just jump forwards and you just pick up with Peggy at another point, maybe a kind of sixties spy kind of thing. Um, with Pe- you just do a new Agent Carter show that's the, because mm. you can't imagine. I don't think anyway. Given that a lot of this we it seems to stem from Feige's extreme dislike of everything Marvel TV have done. You can't imagine anything <laughs> <Same>. that they <laughs> that they do for this picking up directly from you know. Um, mm. Uh, an, an existing show, but that doesn't mean the character needs to be thrown out. Um, also, I would, I would, and we could place... still get Dottie Underwood back. Please, please, please bring Dottie Underwood back. <laughs> I would also uh, be fairly confident that shows like The Gifted are not long for this world, and that we will have an X Men TV show on this service as well. Very possibly. I, um... I cannot describe the feeling that just ran through my entire body. Because James, it would be... you hate X Men TV shows. You hated every single yeah, one. But if Kevin Feige was making them, they would be good. <laughs> would they? Though? Okay. They'd still be X Men. Oh. <sighs> I'm not rising to it. I'd expect nothing less of someone who grew up reading DC comics. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll move on now to the end of our podcast and the final section. I promise you, this time it's true. Uh, the pitch, and we have two pitches to catch up on. Um, I think we'll probably whiz through these guys because we've talked so much about the news. Um, first up is the uh, well. Let, let's go in reverse order. The the we'll do the V for Vendetta pitch first, which was which Alan Moore comic should they adapt next? Um, so Hollywood is going to adapt an Alan Moore comic. Which one should they do? Um, Seb, I'll come to you first on this one. Oh, this is interesting because I have two possible options for in case James stole uh, one of them, which I thought he might. Uh, I am going to go with the better one. Your favourite, yeah, my favourite, which is, uh, and you've read it because it is one we recommended ages ago on the podcast. It's the Ballad of Halo Jones. Um, It's just, it's just a no-brainer that a Ballad of Halo Jones TV show, um, particularly, uh, could be really good. Uh, For those who don't know, it's an uh, early eighties, two thousand AD story by alan moore and ian gibson about a fairly ordinary woman uh living in the future um on a on a kind of space station outpost living thing in in space um who just gets caught up in uh it's just was it described as like she just she kind of just decides to go out for a walk um and then lots of stuff happens and escalates but she's just kind of an ordinary person caught up in in lots of stuff happening um, what I think is good about adapting Halo Jones is that I think it's an Alan Moore thing that you can take and actually improve on by adapting because it is early Alan Moore and it's very good. It's a great comic, but firstly, it never actually finished. Secondly, I think there are still ways in which he was finding his feet and I think you can do more stuff with the character and with the feminist side of the character um you can also not have like because what's interesting about halo jones is you've got alan moore's attempt to create 
a normal woman feminist hero and Ian Gibson Ian Gibson the artist being kind of a little bit of a pervert um <laughs> just just in an art, an art way I'm not talking about him as a person I'm not you know making any accusations just generally like he has actually said that, he, that this, there was a bit of controversy a few years ago about a sketch that he did of her um a, a, a like nude sketch of her that he did that was being sold at Bristol Comic Con and he was like well look this reflects the direction I would have wanted to take the character in not the direction that Alan would have wanted to take the character in so uh, <laughs> he would have liked to have taken her in the direction of being naked basically yeah uh, he, he said right. that at some point she would have been pregnant and that's why her boobs were bigger and that kind of thing so uh, oh, he's really anyway, thought about this clearly yeah <laughs> so the point is I, I think I think there's there's lots of interesting stuff you can do with it but I think you can turn it into a more complete and uh, something a bit a bit bigger and, and deeper and, and probably closer to what Alan Moore would have eventually wanted to do if it hadn't got short but got cut short by I don't know if it got cancelled or if it was it stopped when he inevitably fell out with IPC um, and stopped <laughs> doing 2000 AD stuff. So, um, yeah, Ballad of Halo Jones TV show with uh, Natalie Dormer as Halo Jones. Ooh, I like that as well. Um, and presumably there's no iffiness around Halo Jones they could just adapt it because it's a 2000 AD. 2000 AD own it, uh, lock, stock and barrel. Again, when that controversy was going on, Alan Moore said, look, Halo Jones is one of the things that I don't own anymore, so I don't think about it, is, is how he put it. So, yeah. <laughs> James, uh, I can't wait to hear your answer to this. Uh, so, I mean... Don't say none of them. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to adapt something. Was the, sorry, was the pitch that we had to do it as a movie? Uh, no, I just said which should they just adapt? Adapted. Which should yeah. they adapt? Good, because I think they should make From Hell into a TV show. Because um, basically, you get all the kind of police procedural sort of psychological insight uh, Netflix shows that you know do ten episodes investigating one guy chasing a killer. I think if you're gonna do an Alan Moore thing, you could do a lot worse than than turning From Hell into a sort of Victorian spin on that. And let's face it, if women being murdered doesn't have some political relevance to the modern day that you can dig out of it, you're clearly not trying hard enough. <sighs> you see, James, my it, it's difficult because I don't hate the pitch, but in my head I have only positive associations with Halo Jones. And I have only negative associations with from hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, okay. Here is my here is my uh, addendum to that pitch: is that if they made a from hell TV series that closely adapted the comic, we wouldn't have to then read the comic because it's quite long and dense. Oh, it's it's Alan Moore wrote it, didn't he? Yeah, that's why it's long and dense. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm still gonna go with Sev's pitch. I think that, yeah, <laughs> Natalie Dormer's Halo Jones sounds sounds pretty damn good um, and would work on TV. Uh, so let's move on to our second pitch, which comes all the way back from on our Spawn episode. Which non-Marvel DC hero uh, should get their own movie? And James, you can go first on this one. Uh, Halo Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you are the worst. Too too busy this week to think about an answer to the pitch. Is that... 
I was tempted to say Witchblade just to see how they did the costume, but I think, no, Halo Jones. I'm watching Killing Eve. I can't think about Marvel (laughs) right now. Oh, sorry. I'm Adam Buxton having fun. (laughs) You think, talk about DC amongst yourselves. I'm James Hunt and I'm popular. (laughs) Okay, Rising Stars, Rising Stars. Have I done that before? I feel like I have. (laughs) No, do that. Yeah, because I've got to say, I, I, I think this pitch i'm sure when you said it on the episode you said superhero not just hero i I think i think for this to work as a pitch it's got to be superhero okay rising stars rising stars which j michael straczynski came up with and at one point claimed it was watchman done right right okay yeah i mean in in fairness to j michael straczynski it's quite a good concept in that a sort of energy blast hits a town full of people normal people and every child who is in utero at the time gets a unique superpower and then it starts off as like a murder mystery um when someone realizes that if you kill one of the superheroes all the other ones get slightly stronger um and then over the course of like 24 issues it becomes this sort of planet-wide sprawling sort of conspiracy slash you know evolutionary uh tale i guess of of like if there were superhero if there were superheroes and what if they had a purpose and it's quite interesting the problem is it got saddled with a really bad artist and a really bad writer it sounds so it didn't quite realize its thing like it's kind of you know heroes the tv show i was just about to say it sounds a little bit like heroes imagine that but if someone had thought about it (laughs) <laughs> I still remember when Heroes first launched. I mean, unfortunately, they... that someone was J. Michael Straczynski, but... <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have to when write he... the TV show. When Heroes first launched, it launched, like, I think a year after Lost, and or maybe, like, when Lost was in its third season and people were starting to go, has Lost planned... It's Lost know where it's going, and... and <laughs> Like, and Heroes was launched on the back of, yeah, well, like, Lost, we're great, and, like, it's high-concept sci-fi, and it's cool, and we got... But, and, like, we also... We know where we... We know how the first season's going to end, and we know where we're going with this, and it's like a comic book, and <laughs> and then and then you went, oh, so it... It doesn't necessarily matter if you know where you're going. <laughs> if where you're going is the big hero and the big villain end up in a car park hitting each other with lampposts. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like Lost, a comic. Lost it finale was really fantastic, good. but mm. it's like a comic in that it starts off really good and then rapidly gets worse until it gets cancelled. <laughs> uh, Seb, uh, what is your pitch for a non-Marvel DC superhero? I'm trying to choose movie? between two things that I feel like I've either pitched or recommended on the pod before. So tell you what, I'm going to throw two names at you and tell me which of these you you le- you less least remember me talking to you about. Yeah, no, probably this, this is unfair. Both of them. Uh, <laughs> concrete or Hero Squared? I can't remember anything about either of those. Right, I'm going to go with, with Hero Squared. I think you'd like Hero Squared. Hero Squared uh, is a creator-owned comic uh, by written by Keith Giffen and James DeMattis, the writers of the classic uh, Justice League International run, um, and uh, artist called Joe Abraham. Um, I'm sure I have told you about this before. It's probably been on a pitch, but I don't care. I'm pitching it again because it is really good. <laughs> um, it is about a an ordinary guy called uh, Milo who one day meets 
Um, his counterpart is not Milo Yiannopoulos. Uh, I was going to say, sorry, you might have to change that. <laughs> yeah, call him something else. Uh, he meets his um, a, a alternate universe doppelganger of himself, and that alternate universe doppelganger is a superhero called Captain Valor, who has been thrown into his dimension. And Captain Valor has to deal with the fact that Milo is... He's basically Fry from Futurama. He's just like a layabout slob. Um, and uh, whereas in his own universe, Captain Valor is this this great, powerful superhero. Um, and also, uh, Milo's girlfriend, Steffi, in Captain Valor's universe, is his arch nemesis uh, called Caliginus. Um, and it's really good. It's it's just it's it's fun. It's a kind of it's but it's a it's a kind of comedy drama um, about the kind of, and it, it ends up becoming about the intertwining relationships between these four characters who are you know two versions of two characters. Um, and so my yeah. my takeaway thoughts from this Seb are it sounds a little bit Ace Rimmer and I think you're probably yeah. aware of that. Um, and two, that name's ruined, isn't it? Mm. Milo, yeah, R- ruined. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, it's, it's very easy to call him something else. You're not going to sell many collagenous lunchboxes. I don't even know what the word means, or even if the G is hard or soft. Oh, it means it means dark, dim, or misty. Apparently, <laughs> I don't think Stan um, Lee spent this much time in the thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, uh, well, I'm going to decide to award the um, second win to to Seb, because James has enough in his life. He doesn't need a win <laughs> here. Um, and that is finally it for this week's show. Uh, so hopefully you enjoyed this kind of two minisodes for the price of one. We'll be back not long from now, probably four or five days, maybe, with our X-Men 3 episode. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Um, and if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematic Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.